Recently, there was a, uh, a marathon race in Mexico City. It was the Mexico City Marathon. There were over 30,000 runners. And everybody ran, and the people that finished, you know, some 30,000 of them finished. And everybody was pretty excited about having finished and all of that. But unknown to some of the runners, the Mexico City Marathon organizers had different checkpoints that people had to be able to, like, I don't know whether it was electronic or some way to pip through. 11,000 of the 30,000 finishers were disqualified because they had cheated in running. Some of them had taken Ubers. <laughs> Some of them had, had d done a little shortcuts, you know. But 11,000 were disqualified from the race. You know, this idea of proving that you belong is an important one. You know, like, there's documents that you get. Things like birth certificates, or a marriage license, or a passport. We typically don't think of them as very important until we need them to prove something, right? I invite you to open your Bibles briefly this morning to Ezra chapter 2, and then we will be spending the bulk of our time in 1 John. So, just to let you know this, we're going to look at chapter 2, and as soon as you look at it, you will, of Ezra, as soon as you look at it, you'll go, oh boy, I hope we don't go through every verse of this. We won't, okay? But here's the big idea that you need to know. The exiles of Israel who had been carried off into Babylon are, are coming back, coming back to Judea and to Jerusalem, and they needed to give proof of their belonging to Israel. They needed to offer bona fides, proof that they belonged to. Now there's a parallel question for you and I. Not whether or not we belong to Israel, but if in the Old Testament Israel is the people of God, the question for us is, how can you and I give proof that we belong to the people of God, that we belong to God's people. So in chapter 2 of Ezra, verses 1 and 2, uh, the exiles are returning. These are the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried captive to Babylonia. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. And then they came with certain people, pronounceable names. But but, but I'll make a shot at it, and you know, as I've mentioned before, if you just say it with confidence, it sounds like it's right. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reeliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Bana. There's a reason why some of those names aren't used anymore. Now, these are the people who followed the proclamation of Cyrus, the the king of Persia. We talked about that late last week, how he had changed the entire foreign policy of all nations that had ever happened before. 
What a remarkable thing that was. Now, it was not an easy matter for these exiles to return. All that they had done to rebuild their lives had happened hundreds of miles away. And how many of you think uprooting is easy? No. Some of you have come from far distances to live here in central Illinois. Some of you are perhaps even planning a move from central Illinois to some faraway place. It's hard. There's a reason for this statistic. The median distance that Americans live from their mothers is 18 miles. And in the Midwest, it's 14 miles. The median distance you live from your mom. Now, some of you live right in the other bedroom, right? But the point is, is that people are having a, it's, it's hard to move. And these people have been 70 years in this place. They've built their lives and now they're going back. And some of them were old. And where they're going back to Jerusalem and Judea, it's bad. It's, the land had changed. There were enemies that had moved in. They were feeling like they had come back and they were the squatters. There was less in infrastructure. There wasn't the farming and agriculture, the water resources. But what was it that moved them? What moved them was they were the people of God and it was the promise of revival that moved them. A holy nation now called to live up to its mission. Now, you'll see that I skip a whole bunch of unpronounceable names with some numbers. These are names of people who came and the number of them that came. But we're going to skip down to verse 59. You see how fast we're getting through this sermon? The following were those who came up from Telmela, Telharsha, Cherub, Adon, and Immer, though they could not listen though they could not prove their father's houses or their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. Oops, big problem. Somewhere in the process of that 70 years of captivity, these people had lost their documents. They lost their birth certificate, or they lost whatever the paperwork that was that was needed. They could not prove their father's houses, or their descent, whether they belong to Israel. And then there's a list here in verse 60 and 61, actually verse 61, the sons of the priests. And verse 62, these sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but they were not found there, so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. You see, some of them claim to be from priestly families, but again, there's no proof of it. And so they're excluded from the priesthood as unclean and excluded from sharing in the food for the priests. It goes on to say in verse 63, until there would be a priest who could consult Urim and Thummim. Those are interesting words that are probably referring to a set of two objects used by the high priest to answer a question or to reveal the will of God. And it seems that these objects in the Bible were used in a binary way, as in innocent or guilty, or are you of a fam priestly family or not? And they would be able to consult that. But 
no matter whether we, you know, get into the details of these guys and how they came and how many of them and from what towns and all of that, the big question of chapter 2 is, can you prove you belong? That's the question. And the question I want to ask you this morning is, how can you prove that you belong to the family of God? How can you prove that you belong to the family of God? And it's just here that I invite you to skip over in your Bible to 1 John, and we'll kind of make our way through a bunch of items in 1 John, because we're going to talk about five ways to know that we don't belong to the family of God, and five ways to know that we do. Okay, Five ways to know that we don't, and five ways to know that we do. First, five ways to know that we don't belong to the family of God. Well, if we say that we believe in Jesus, but live in darkness, we are lying to ourselves, to others, and to God. There are many people who think we'll fake it until we make it. It doesn't work in getting to heaven, in proving that you belong to the family of God. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we, it says in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 1 John 2, 4, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. Chapter 3, verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. In other words, if there's continual sin in your life where you're just continuing to rebel against God and his word and his ways, there should be some question in your mind, do I really belong? Verse 8, of chapter 3, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides him. He can't keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Well, that leads us to a second way that we, to know that we don't belong to the family of God, and that's if we don't love our brothers and sisters in God's church. 1 John chapter 2, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 1 John 4 verse 20 Anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he, does not love his, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. By the way, this is not about loving people that are easy to love, is it? It's about loving people that aren't easy to love. It's about loving brothers and sisters in God's church, which means that we love the communion, the communion of the saints, the, the gathering of the saints. A third proof that we do not belong to the family of God is if we 
and I'll use a modern term here, if we deconstruct our faith. Anybody heard that phrase before, deconstruct your faith? It means that the faith that you have claimed that you've believed in all along, you now look at and you say, nah, I don't think I believe that anymore. In fact, I'm walking away from it entirely. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it's the last hour. And then it talks about people. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So the issue here is if you are a person who has claimed to be a believer in the past and now you say, eh, I don't believe that anymore. That is perhaps an evidence that you never believed in the first place. And it should call into question whether we belong to the family of God. A fourth, uh, a fourth way in which we know we're not belong, we don't belong to the family of God is if we're selfish. 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18 if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So the idea of looking around and being callous to the needs in the world. And then the last proof uh, that we, ways to know that we don't belong to the family of God is 1 John 4, 8. Simply, if we do not love, if God has not imparted to us a love that is supernatural, doesn't come from us, comes from God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, there's, uh, there's two kind of groups of people that I want to address about these five ways that you can know that you don't belong. Some of you are of tender conscience. And as I read those, you're brought to, you're like, oh no, I have, and you can identify some time or other, or some event or other where one of those things is true. I'm going to call you a person of tender conscience. And I'm going to ask that you think well upon what Jesus did for you and don't allow Satan to take away your assurance of salvation. But there's another group of people. And that group of people are the hard-hearted. Those who have just heard these words and said, yeah, I'm good. I don't have to worry about that at all. I'm fine. That's the very person that ought to be brought to a place of deep conviction of heart and soul and, and, and really connect with God and ask, God, Help me to know that I belong to you. Well, those are five ways that we can know we don't belong. What are the five ways to know that we do belong? 1 John 2.28, if we abide in Christ, and now little children, 
abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. The word abide means to stay with. You walk with Christ. You've made a commitment of faith in Christ and you walk with him and you stay with him. That's, a, that's an evidence that you belong to Christ. A second one is if we love the brothers and sisters in God's family. You know, one of the ways we know that we, we can know that we don't belong to God's family, we don't love the brothers. Uh, the other side is true too. If you do love the brothers, that's a evidence that you do belong to God's family. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we've passed out of death to life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And then 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. You see that faith, genuine faith in Christ, John is attaching to the fact that we love one another. The fourth evidence, or the third evidence that we do belong to the family of Christ is if we know and believe what Jesus did for us. 1 John 4.10 in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is a beautiful text because it tells us what love is. It's not that we're trying to earn our way to God or saying that we love God. It's that he loved us and he sent his son Jesus and the word there is propitiation. It means he bore the punishment. He took all of the weight of the guilt of our sin upon himself. That's how much he loved us. And so when we can know that we belong to God, when we believe in what Jesus did for us. And then fourth way we can know that we belong to the family of God from 1 John is verse, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, if we love and obey God. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, uh, one way in which we can kind of see how well we're connected to the Lord and in fellowship with him is when we look at what his word says, are we delighted by it and say, hey, this isn't burdensome. This isn't some heavy weight of chains shackling me. It is rather life. It's life to my soul. And then the last one is if we believe in the name of the Son of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then the very end of the chapter, verses 11 to 13, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
John concludes, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is, tr- who is true, his Son, Jesus Christ. He's the true God and eternal life. These are these five proofs that we belong to the family of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. If if you were put on, this is something that was asked when I was in high school. If you, were, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence of the charge? What proof will you offer Jesus when you stand before him? And he says, why should I let you into my heaven? You know, Jesus had something interesting to say about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What kinds of things give us the assurance that we belong to God's people? Well, one thing that's important to recognize is that there's a little bit of a distinction. When we talk about these principles, these things like abiding in Christ and loving the brothers and sisters in God's family and loving and obeying God, understand those things aren't what saves us any more than a birth certificate is what causes you to be born, okay? The birth certificate is the proof, the assurance that you were born where and when. Doesn't make you born there. Likewise, trusting in Christ alone to forgive you of your sins is what causes you to be in the people of God. But if you make that confession of faith, things will happen in your life that will cause you evidence of that inward faith. And so, you'll no longer look at darkness as an attraction. You will love the brothers and sisters. You will not deconstruct your faith. You won't live a selfish, loveless life. But rather... You will believe in the name of the Son of God and cause to have your life live for His glory. Can you prove that you belong? That was the question in Ezra 2. You know, in revival, two very common things happen in churches when revival comes. One is, that people whose hearts have grown cold are warmed to further intimacy with their God. They're really saved. They really do have a home in heaven, but they have, their hearts had grown cold, and in revival, their hearts are fanned into flame. But there's a second thing that happens in revival, and that is there are many 
who thought that they were right with God, who now all of a sudden have a dawning realization, I don't belong to the family of God. And they run to the cross of Christ and gloriously come to know him. It's very hard to discern because we don't know one another's hearts. Which is which? Sometimes I've even had people tell me, I don't know, was I saved here or was this where I had been a Christian a long time and now I finally came to this place of great intimacy with God? And I have to say, I don't know. All I know is that it's really good where at right now. And so this morning, will you pray with me these things? Pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to any person who does not know the Savior here that the Holy Spirit will reveal to them their lost condition. Secondly, that God will use the testimonies of the people who are being baptized today to help others to faith in Christ, to trust in Him and believe in Him. You know, baptism doesn't save you. But it is a way in which we declare to the world that we love God. Why? Because we're obeying what Jesus told us. And thirdly, let's pray that the word of God will confirm the assurance of salvation for everyone who has genuinely repented and believed in Jesus. This morning, I want to lead us in a prayer time as we close. And in the I want to gather in groups of five or six people. Now, I know, I know, it's tension-filled, and you're worried about yourself. Do not worry, because if nobody prays in your group, that's okay. You just, uh, I love how Pastor Jeff puts it when he breaks people up into huddles. Just listen to the group next door, you know? (laughs) That's a good one. But what I want us to do through this series in Ezra is to take time in small groups to pray. And so I'm going to lead us through these three prayer requests. So stand up right now and gather in groups of five or six people. All right, good. You've done it. Now what I want us to do is to take time first, take time first to pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to any lost person their true condition. That the Holy Spirit, it's not us, it's not the wisdom of my words, it's not the presence of the Lord here, but rather that the Holy Spirit would reveal to any person who does not truly know Christ as their Savior, that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to them right now. Let's just pray that right now in, this, in our groups. Now, Lord, we we take time to pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal to any person here under this tent or in the sound of my voice 
whether or not, if their condition is lost, reveal it to them. We can't be that judge, but you can, and you can speak to their hearts. Oh God, we long for them to know Christ and to experience the eternal life that Jesus promises. So we would ask that you would reveal that. Now let's pray together that God will use the testimonies of those being baptized today to help others to faith in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those who are being baptized today. We pray to this they share their story of how they came to faith and what, that, what it means to believe in Jesus, that this would be used in your sovereign hand to draw others to faith in Jesus as well. Help them just to know the, the love of Christ for them. And now let's pray that the word of God will confirm assurance of salvation for everyone who's repented and believed in Jesus. There are many people who doubt their salvation. Uh, they feel unassured of it, but they've truly repented and believed the gospel. Uh, let's pray that they will have this assurance of salvation confirmed to their hearts. Heavenly Father, for the people of Israel, it was some genealogical record that would help them to know whether they belonged to the people of God. Um, that isn't what makes anybody, even them in their day, right with you. It's not about who you're related to. It's about faith in the living God made known through Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to Jesus coming and for those of us today, we look back at what Jesus did. Lord, we pray that today would be a beautiful day of assurance for those who have placed their faith and hope in Christ. And we pray that it, you may lovingly draw people into fellowship with you here, even under this tent. Lord, thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you love us. And we pray that you would revive your church. Cause those who are Christians whose hearts have grown cold to be warmed. Warmed to you and in intimacy with you. A love for your word, a love for your people, a love for the world. We pray, God, that you would help us also if there's any who 
are somehow assured that they're right with you that aren't, that you would reveal that clearly too and help them to faith in Jesus in a real way. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated.